welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and of course we are joined by producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Oh no. no. (laughs) I'm losing my voice, guys. (laughs) You sit back. You sit back and just relax today. (laughs) Coming up on today's show, a big, quick and dirty. People are mad about Billie Eilish's Halloween costume and we have a potentially unpopular opinion on it all. Rihanna's released her first single in six years. Nicola Peltz is back in the headlines for the 4,000th time this year. Radio's Radio's golden girl Kate Ritchie is reportedly on the out. Matthew Perry's arch nemesis is Keanu Reeves. And then it's time to hear Zara's two cents. Is this the smartest celebrity on the internet right now? I reckon my two cents are worth about... 0.5 Point five of this morning. <laughs> I don't think any of us are moving very quickly. It's been a long weekend in Melbourne. Well, tell us about your weekends, Zara. Well, we had your hands, Michelle. Did we you have did. a lovely time? I actually had the best time. Great. I was really overwhelmed and anxious as well, which I didn't really expect. Like, I didn't feel super anxious in the lead up, but then on the morning of my hands, I was kind of sitting there just feeling like I couldn't eat anything. I was like stressed. I just wanted everyone to have a good time. It's kind of like having a birthday party though, but this one you didn't plan for yourself. And those kinds of things generally are stressful. What I found interesting is I was talking to your sister Evelyn on Saturday and she told me that (laughs) you, because I bought you some sort of like props, like a hat and some other things. You know, Because you're a bridesmaid, you helped organise it. Yeah, and you've got to lean into the gimmicks. Like we didn't go too far, (laughs) but Michelle had said no gimmicks. I don't want anything naff. And I was like, you've got to do the odd thing, right? So I bought you this hat, but I got everything sent to the office because it's too hard to send it home. Yes. Yeah, it's way too hard. So we had boxes arriving on like discount party supplies. So Michelle <laughs> started Googling the brands on the boxes mm. to try and work out what I had bought. But <laughs> Evelyn told me that you had a freak out about the hat and didn't trust me and thought that I'd bought a bad one. Well, I messaged Evelyn and Claire, my beloved sisters, <laughs> and I was like, my outfit needs the right kind of hat. You thought I'd bought the wrong colour. I thought you potentially got a silver hat and I was like well that doesn't work I've got gold do you think I'd do that though (laughs) no I didn't as soon as I found out that it was you I didn't know right because I was looking at the different boxes (laughs) that were arriving I wasn't 100% sure because discount party supplies in case anyone's planning a hens and this is not sponsored by the way (laughs) shout out to discount party supplies has more than just a couple of hats like they've got a bunch of hens party like penis straws and shit so I didn't know what you had gotten me I just wanted to make sure that that someone was getting me headwear it went with the outfit yes how did you find planning your first hens? Oh, a bit stressful. It Not is stressful. More so because you don't know when you've got a collection of people, a collection of people, that works, of people <laughs> together who don't all know each other. It's very yes. hard to know how much you need to keep people entertained. Yes. And you don't want to lean too much into the gimmicks and the games to the point where people are like, I literally just want to sit here and talk to the person next to me. Like I'd prefer yeah. to have a conversation. Let me have a drink and chill out. But yeah. also mm. you don't know when the mood is going to plummet and you need to sit back up. <laughs> yeah. But I actually think we did all right. You? Would you two agree? Yes. As a guest, perfection. Perfect Uh, level of games (laughs) and chat. It was amazing. I agree. Also, the surprise drag queen was inspired. Was that you? Uh, No, it was your sisters and... I, but it was their idea first. And then I said, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do that. No, it was, boss Zara. <laughs> it was a lovely day. So I'm glad you had fun. And then I made the foolish decision of booking a flight the next morning to Hobart as yes. early as I could and going away for two days. So I am tired. That's okay. But that simply means I cannot be held accountable for anything <laughs> I'm doing today. I also feel like tired vibes are silly girl vibes. And yes. I love a silly girl vibe on this well, show. Well, Annabelle doesn't have a voice. I'm exhausted. How was your weekend? You haven't even given us your Rex yet. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to write notes for this episode and I was like, these just don't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so tired. Well, I actually do, but that's for another time. I have two recommendations. I'll be quick. My gold tier recommendations, and I think that that's how I'm going to structure recommendations from here on out, that if I have more than one, I'll give one gold tier and one silver tier. Okay, and we're starting with gold, are we? Because that's a way to let us down. No, 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 because they're all good. You're okay. not going to be disappointed regardless. Okay. My gold tier is an episode of The Imperfects, and I know we recommend that show quite a lot on this show (laughs) but this episode was absolutely perfect for my interests particularly but I think you guys will be really really interested in it too they interviewed Kate Reid who is the founder of Loon Croissants oh 
I an institution. Truly, I love Loon. I love the Melbourne food scene anyway, and I also love hearing about how someone builds a brand like Loon. For those who haven't heard of Loon, Loon has the greatest croissants in the world. The New York Times actually did call them the best croissants in the world. So that's not just me saying that. And the other thing that I found fascinating about Kate, and this interview, by the way, is split in two parts. So just the first part at the time of recording is live, is about her career in Formula One. And she used to work as an engineer for Williams. (gasps) I know. So she started her career as an engineer, worked for the Williams team. The way she talks about the areas of Formula One that we don't see on Drive to Survive is fascinating how hard it is, how little they're paid, how long they work, the kinds of work she does. She was in a team of 120 at Williams in terms of her engineering team and she was the only female. (gasps) This is the most Zara McDonald recommendation I've ever heard. We've got the Venn diagram of things that you love. (laughs) It's so... The Imperfects. The Imperfects. Food. F1 food. <laughs> it's got like an F1 drive to survive thing and then Melbourne foodie culture. This is you in a recommendation. That's why I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is why it's gold tier. Wow. So but you guys will really like it too. So and and beyond all of that as well, Kate has a story of a real battle with her mental health and an eating disorder, which she tells like incredibly beautifully. So I do want to put a trigger warning on that because that may be triggering for some people, but it is such a central part of her story. She has these very kind of glittery parts of her career, Formula One and Loon, but between all of that, she had a huge, huge time dealing with her mental health as well. And wow. that's a really important part of her story that she likes to tell. So very much recommend that episode. The first part, as I said, is up. The second Love part that. still to come. The second silver tier recommendation that I have is The White Lotus is back. It's Season back. two is back. It is set in Sicily this time. If you guys didn't watch The White Lotus season one. Oh, get on it. Get on it. It's we so we spoke about it a lot on this show. There's only one episode live at the moment, but Megan Faye mm-hmm. of uh, The Bold me. Type. The Bold Type. Help me. <laughs> That's Help. the vibe of you today. Help me. Yeah, what is she on? <laughs> she is amazing and many of the reviews of the show so far are saying and predicting that this will be her ultimate breakout show that she is the absolute star of this one episode in and I was like I remember why I love this show the characters and the dialogue is absolutely perfect I'm trying to remember was season one of the White Lotus released week by week I do have a bone to pick with the streamers just give me like at least half a season at once I want to binge it well I totally agree and when it comes to the season one and that question I don't know because we might have just been slow to it and then just watched it all at once but I agree there's a real lack of momentum that happens when you have to watch an episode a week and isn't the whole vibe of streaming it's on demand how can it be on demand when I need to wait week to week but as a content creator um, <laughs> <laughs> you can understand how the churn and burn like you'd be having to produce so much content yeah to throw everything out as a bulk season i get it i just think i'm watching uh love is blind season three on netflix not quite as highbrow as the white lotus right now they're releasing it in three parts there's like four episodes or five episodes that drop at once and then a couple of weeks later there's another four or five episodes i think that's a really good structure because i can have a binge and then have a break and then binge it again but then I, some people will forget to go back but they won't i love a week by week release really because house of the dragon was released week by week and then i went yeah. on tiktok and i saw discussion about it and it was kind of cool to like yeah. check in with my house of the dragon pals the white lotus is taking house of dragon spot yeah. in terms of drop time and stuff like that i think it's a monday night anyway that's all from me how are you how's the rest of your weekend what are you recommending all that jazz i'm great i had the best weekend ever thank you for both you look like taylor swift um that didn't make sense <laughs> what did you say what did you say i, I was trying this to show say, is falling I was apart. Trying to say you looked like taylor swift but oh. i said you look <laughs> something else well, well you looked good thank you annabelle i appreciate the half-baked compliment. <laughs> no i had the best weekend ever i was just really binging real housewives after the hens Beautiful. i wasn't in a state to do much else so i was watching real housewives of salt lake city i've almost watched all two seasons in the last week i often get asked by people as a massive real housewives kind of like franchise fan i think a lot of people are intimidated to begin right like 
like they might see all the headlines about Beverly. I honestly thought you were going to say, I think some people are intimidated by me because of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get it. It intimidates people. It really ostracizes <laughs> Yeah. I'm a big personality. Let me level with you. <laughs> no, no, no. I think people look at the show, they look at the franchise and go, oh my God, Real Where Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's like 10 or 12 seasons or something. 20 episodes per season. I'm simply too far behind. I certainly feel like that with Real Housewives of New York, for example. If you've been watching the Real Housewives phenomenon online and you kind of feel a bit of FOMO, I actually think Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is the season to start with. So there are only two seasons out so far. They're two of my favorite seasons of Real Housewives ever. And it's all about people living in Salt Lake City, Utah. So you have some really rich housewives who are big members of the Mormon church. Then you have other castmates on the show who have been excommunicated from right. the Mormon church. And then you have others who aren't Mormon at all. Like they just have nothing to do with the Mormon church. It is fascinating. If you want one storyline to get you in, there is one housewife who has married her step-grandfather. Oh. And. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't think what you need to do with that one. <laughs> but then also in season two, there is a massive storyline about one real housewife being arrested on charges of fraud. And they literally show you like in one of the scenes, the police rock up, the feds rock up to try and arrest her. So I just think it is one of the best spin-offs of Real Housewives. It's on Hey You if you want to watch it. And yeah, come talk to me about it because I'm obsessed with that this week. I'll try. I'll you do won't do it. It's okay. There's just a bit on TV at the moment. I'm juggling my bad sisters. I'm juggling my white lotus. The crown's coming out next week. Like I'm so overwhelmed. But also I never I never give a reality TV wreck and think that Zara McDonald's going to bite. I just, think that the listeners will bite, but just not you. Let's put something on the record. I'm not above it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you just it. don't lean into it. Though. I would love it. I just. I it's been four years of me trying to get you to watch Love Island. <laughs> I think next year Love Island we're on. We're okay. absolutely on. Okay. Now <laughs> we need to jump into the quick and dirty today because we have quite a bit to cover. So, are you hosting it or am I? I think let's go one for one. Let's do it. Our first story. Billie Eilish and Jesse Rutherford dressed up as a baby and old man for Halloween amid tons of criticism towards their 11-year age gap and people think it's really weird. That is from BuzzFeed. Yeah, if you guys have spent any time on TikTok in the last 48 hours, you've probably seen people lose their tiny minds over Billie Eilish's Halloween costume with her rumoured boyfriend, Jesse Rutherford. Now, we're pretty sure Jesse and Billie are a legit item. They've been connected to each other for many months now They've been spotted kissing by paps around LA. They've attended events together, holding hands. They haven't like made an Instagram debut, but I don't think that's a very Billie Eilish thing to do anyway. No, they're dating. They're dating. <laughs> they're they're obviously dating. Now, people care a lot about who Billie Eilish is dating. I think they particularly care about this relationship because Billie is 20 years old and Jesse is 31, which makes the age gap between them 11 years. Now, there are also some reports floating around that these two have known each other for a little while, but we actually couldn't find any sort of robust evidence that that is the case in other reports. So for now, we'll just put that down to rumours. Yeah, they're both in the music industry, right? For those who aren't familiar with the name Jesse Rutherford, he is the lead vocalist of the alternative rock band The Neighbourhood. Ah, yes, so- my, my favourite band. <laughs> you heard of that one too? I actually saw one of their songs in the Spotify charts like this week and I had never heard of them. Annabelle? I heard of them maybe <laughs> is that a lie yeah, yeah. like massive lie <laughs> so they're in the similar or the same circles right so it wouldn't be all that surprising if they had known each other for a little while as to how close they've been we've got really no idea and no robust information to go off now chatter about their age gap has been intense online take this tweet for instance which got over 150,000 likes last month it read jesse rutherford was alive during george hw Bush's presidency, Billie Eilish cannot legally drink. So if that's getting 150,000 likes, people are talking about this, they care about this, and they have cared about this since the pap photos of these two together came out. For sure. Now, as we said in the headline for Halloween, they decided to clearly poke fun at the commentary. Photos are circulating of them attending this party together. She's dressed as a baby. He's dressed as an elderly man. Now, again, this sort of led to an influx of really viral tweets about it. I mean, we have Twitter user Novopsy say, Billie Eilish shading a man six years old 
older than her older brother is gross in itself, but the fact they dressed up as a baby and an old man last night is just the icing on the cake for real. That got 60,000 likes. There's another one from Bribri Simps. Sorry, <laughs> I tried. From, <laughs> from Bribri Simps that says, every adult in Billie Eilish's life has failed her because why do you continue to let her get intimate with men 10 plus years older than her? That got 10,000 likes. Have you guys seen this? On for sure. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah. It's everywhere of people being almost mad or like disappointed in Billie Eilish. And even that last tweet that you just read out, Zara, every adult in Billie Eilish's life has failed her because they continue to let her get yeah. intimate with men 10 years her senior. I think I found it really interesting how maybe black and white this conversation is and what it looks like online. Like people are commenting on this as if simply by design of Billy and Jesse having 11 years between them. It is an abusive relationship. People are literally calling him a predator and a groomer online. And for me, I mean, we need to state the bleedingly obvious. We don't know what this dynamic is like. Maybe he could be a bad guy. We don't know that. Maybe these could also just be two people who happen to fall in love with a big age gap at play. And I certainly have seen relationships in my own life one of them, I think there's a 12-year age gap and that relationship's been together for 30 years and it's definitely not abusive. Like, it's weird to me that now we look at things like this and instantly go, it's abuse, it's gross, it's disgusting, he's a predator. Yeah, for sure. And I think it would be remiss of us not to mention that Billy has released that song, Your Power, which is a song she has said that is about the sexual abuse she experienced within the industry and abuses of power, right? It would be remiss of us not to acknowledge that and that's probably why a lot of this commentary is existing. But I agree with you. I think when we talk about power dynamics and age gaps in relationships, I'm far more interested by patterns of behaviour. Mm. I'm far more interested in maybe Leonardo DiCaprio or a Scott, Scott Disick who constantly prove that there's something that they're attracted to about younger women that older women aren't giving them. But if we're talking about this relationship in and of itself, we sort of have to have more nuance there and we have to say we simply do not know. And I think if there's one thing that I learnt from Billie Eilish's Apple documentary is it does seem like her support system's pretty strong. Her parents seem very involved. Her brother seems very involved. And I think giving the benefit of the doubt as well, to say, you know what, there are also people that arguably do have her best interests at heart and think that this is... A good thing because they're hanging out like you see them hanging out with uh, Phineas Phineas as well and his girlfriend. And like I I think if there was tension there, that wouldn't be the case. She's also 20. Like I understand she is young, but she's not a child. She's not a child. And I find it very patronizing for people to be talking down to her or commenting online like she's in an abusive dynamic. Like we don't know. It's so patronizing to tell a woman that she's not making decisions that are the best for her. Isn't it slightly anti-feminist to look at this and go, she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. She's got no agency. She's, she's got no agency. She has no idea what she's doing. The adults in the room are failing her. She is an adult. Yeah. Like, I think the conversation just demands a few more layers and a little bit more nuance. And I don't think that's what it's getting at all. Not at all. Our second story, Prince Harry's long awaited unflinching memoir titled Spare to come out in January. That is from ABC. Well, Prince Harry's publishers have announced that his highly anticipated memoir is titled Spare and will be published on January 10 (laughs) next year. Now, in their announcement, Penguin has said the book, which was originally due to be released at the end of this year, will now be released early next year and promises raw, unflinching honesty. Mm. There's no doubt that the title of the book caught people off guard. I mean, we published a tweet on Instagram from British journalist Bella Mackey, who wrote, I thought Prince Harry's book was going to be called something like Living With Purpose, My Journey to Finding My Way, but it's called Spare and now I am afraid I will read it. Now, of course, this lends from that very, very famous phrase, the air and the spare, which has long been used to describe the monarch or often the future monarch and then their younger sibling. So the person who's destined to become king or queen and then the person who's kind of waiting in the wings as our backup option in yes, case. in case something... In case of death, death or what, like yeah. abdication of yeah. the throne. Yeah, something yeah. hugely dramatic happens. I will be consuming this book. I'm interested in whether you guys will be touching it at all. I think I agree with 
Bella Mackie, the fact that it's called Spare and it has that drama yes. and kind of, I think it's imbued with a slight victim complex to call it There's Spare. No, no, I think that's fair. I yeah. think that's absolutely fair. I think I find it slightly grating to look at, I don't know, a man who was born into the privilege and wealth of the literal crown, maybe use a book title that positions himself as like this poorly, hardly done yeah. by victim. That makes me want to read it, though. Like, I think I'm ready to read it, but I think I'm going to be slightly snarky as I read it because, I don't know, I'm struggling with Prince Harry right now. I think if this was a book from Meghan Markle, mentally I'd be more prepared to, like, really open myself up to it. I think there's something with me and Prince Harry where I'm like, ugh. I just... Been I, you, <laughs> yeah, sorry, the two of you just aren't getting along. <laughs> We're feuding. Yeah. We're having a feud. There's something in me that finds the whole thing really grating, but, like, it's a motivation for me to read it. Annabelle. I will probably not be reading it, but I will be very... <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably not be reading (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. This is bound to happen once in this episode. (laughs) Do you need like a honey lemon tea? I will not be I will not be reading it. (laughs) But I will be very open to hearing your thoughts on the book. (laughs) I think it's also one of those books, right, that a lot of the major revelations or the best parts of the book will come out almost the minute the mm. book is released because the news outlets will report on it. You're so right. So you are, you also might not have to read it because you'll get all the juice early. I think the question I have is if proceeds are going to charity, which is what has been promised with this book, what is the point? And that is not to say, and I do want to put this on the record, donating to charity is amazing and there is always a point to donating to charity. I mean, what is the personal motivation for Prince Harry? Because I thought that he was signing these Netflix, Spotify, Penguin contracts because he needed to pay for the this new life of his Mm. but if he's going to write a book that may well lock him out of the royal family forever Mm. what is the motivation because he already does quite a bit for charity yeah I agree with you I actually think the best thing for Prince Harry's PR would be to go and create things that are like ahead of what he's been doing not looking at the past creating new things that we can enjoy from him like in the future like he signed this netflix deal and we've seen nothing from it yeah because there, there is meant to be a documentary or sort of a it sounds almost like reality like series yes. of he and megan at home i'm just very interested in the motivation behind it and perhaps the motivation is simply telling the truth just sometimes the truth's not worth constantly rehashing over. I mean, regardless, nightmare period for the royal family coming up anyway. As I said before, The Crown season five is dropping next week. They're going to have The Crown rolling into this memoir. They're just going to need to lie down, I think. (laughs) Our third story, Rihanna's return to music is a careful balancing act. That is from Vulture. Mm. Rihanna's back. Rihanna is back. You guys might have missed it, though, because she's back, but she didn't really make the tidal wave that people were expecting. This new single from her, it's called Lift Me Up, made more of a splash than a wave, right? So she hasn't released music in six years. Lift Me Up is the first single we have heard from her since 2016. And if you're wondering, wait a second, I haven't heard of it. Have you guys heard of it, first yes, of all? I have listened you listened to it. to it? Well, it's interesting because on my way to work today, I heard it on the radio and I thought, oh, it must have just come out this morning because mm. I hadn't heard it until this morning. And then we got in and you were like, no, it came out last week. Came out late last week. Exactly right. So It's not what anyone expected. I think a lot of people after Rihanna's last album, which was called Auntie, expected something that was rich and edgy and boppy and kind of like fresh. Yeah, Rihanna's quite fresh, right? She always delivers up something different to what everyone else is doing in the music space. But this song, it's a very light, soft, breezy ballad. Like, yes, it's, it's beautiful, but it's not edgy. No, it's not edgy. And I think perhaps reading some of the lyrics might help our case here because the main lyrics are lift me up, hold me down, keep me safe, safe and sound. <laughs> Sounds like a lullaby. It is. Yeah, yeah. it really uh, does truthfully, sound like a lullaby. I quite like the song, but I, I appreciate why perhaps it hasn't made that splash that people were expecting because it is not like a lot of her other stuff, as you said, Mish. I mean, the song is actually one of two songs that she'll have on the soundtrack for the upcoming film Wakanda Forever, which is, of course, the highly anticipated sequel to Black Panther, the film that made Chadwick Boseman a household name and made 23 
billion billion with, with a, a b, b. <laughs> at the box office that film was one of the 10 highest grossing films of all time so this is a insane. mammoth franchise top it's 10 a, films of all time it's it's insane so it's kind of a really beautiful thing for her to be involved mm. with with the project i wonder if she's not at all phased by this because it's not like she's dropped an album and it's not done what she thought it would do mm. i wonder if this is just her soft launch into the scene yeah i think so uh, maybe it's an emotional and soft song because the film demands that as well i mean we know that we lost chad Chadwick Boseman to colon cancer in 2020. Apparently Wakanda Forever is going to grapple with the death of his on-screen character, King T'Challa. So maybe by design it had to be something that caused more ripples than it did a wave. Some critics have been absolutely brutal about it though. The Guardian's Shard D'Souza wrote this. It feels like a money talks kind of song. It's telling that the two things luring Rihanna away from fashion and cosmetics and back into music in the coming months are the Super Bowl halftime show and a Marvel film sure to be a <laughs> mega hit. A lot of the, I also read a, I think it was in The Independent, a review that basically said the same thing. This yeah. is a money talks kind of song. The dollar signs were probably screaming at her and that's why she back into music i don't know if that's fair i like the song it just doesn't sound to me like a rihanna song yeah and also like if it is a money talks kind of song if someone came up to you and said here's a bucket of money would you like to sing on this song yeah who'd be saying no i'd do it for free (laughs) yeah so would i all right coming up after the break we have to talk about matthew perry's arch nemesis we are talking about nicola peltz beckham again and then we hear my 0.5 of a cent (laughs) who is the smartest celebrity on the internet right now I've got the answer. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a radio. I was like a radio (laughs) teaser. All right, guys, our fourth story. Nicola Peltz Beckham says no family is perfect while discussing feud with Victoria Beckham. That is from Perth now. All righty. Welcome back, Nicola Peltz Beckham. So, it's Nicola, been a while. It has been a while, but she actually gave us something to play with this week. So Nicola Peltz Beckham has sat down with The Times as part of promo that she's done for a new series. She's actually working on or kind of has a part in called Welcome to the Chippendales. Now, In that interview, she gave some pretty interesting quotes. Firstly, when the journalist asked, of course, about the rumours of tension between her and the Beckham family, this is how the conversation went down. It is not a feud, she insists. Why do they say feud? You know, no family is perfect. No family. I think it all started, and as I've said this before, because I didn't end up wearing Victoria's wedding dress. But the real truth is, I really, really wanted to wear it, and I thought it was so beautiful that Brooklyn's mum was going to make that for me. And I was really excited to wear it, and I didn't end up wearing it. So at this point in the conversation, right, the journal goes, okay, well, why didn't you wear it? And she went on like this. The truth is that I was in a text chain with my mum, Victoria and Leslie. And by the way, this is a long quote, but hear me out. Leslie, who's been my stylist for 10 years. We were all on this text chain together and I was so excited to start the design process. Um, And then Victoria um, was like, oh, and this was in the middle of me filming Lola James and directing it. So I was very busy. And then she, Victoria, was very busy. And a few <laughs> days went by and I didn't hear anything. Then I think Victoria thought that I was on set and maybe she didn't want to upset me. So she called my mum and said that she couldn't make the dress. She said that her um, atelier couldn't make the dress in time. So um, then my mum told me and then we regrouped and came up with something else. But I truthfully was really excited to wear her dress. It makes me sad when I read things that people say that I was never planning on wearing it. That is just not true. I don't want to read everything, but when it's in your face, sometimes you just can't help it. I guess, with social media and stuff. It's such an interesting quote. And I also found it to be a really interesting decision on behalf of the journalist to include all those ums. Oh, it's very pointed. So, um, then my mum told me, um... Because if you read the full piece, it is the only quote that is not tightened down. Yes, because normally, I mean, if I was interviewing someone and they put a few filler words, that's how they're referred to generally, ums, ahs, whatever, you take them. them out, yeah. you don't include them. So I think the fact that the journalist included them here, I don't know if it's unfair to Nicola. I don't know if it's accurate. Maybe well, she was stumbling over her words or trying to choose her words very, very carefully when it came yeah. to this. Regardless, I think you would be careful, regardless of whether there's a feud or no feud you would kind of seize up probably when you're being asked about this. So I don't even know if the ums indicate there is something going on or more just indicate that she's anxious to even talk about this. Yeah, I think either thing could be true. I think it's good that 
they're in there. Mm. So long as we're not jumping to the conclusion that they're in there because, you know. Something's absolutely Yeah, as long as we can have the whole picture to say she's clearly nervous about talking about this. But I think when you read a profile of somebody and it's just written quotes, it's very hard to glean tone Mm. and energy and things like that. And I think this goes away to doing that. The journalist actually kept writing and went on and said, Nicola repeats the no family is perfect line a few times, refers to Brooklyn's dad as a legend, she does not say David's name, tells me how much she adores Harper, Brooklyn's 11-year-old little sister, and then we slip back to the safer, funnier, friendlier territory of Brooklyn. Mm. I would argue that the story that Nicola is clearly trying to tell here is, yes, I did not wear Victoria's dress, but it is because Victoria did not want to make me that dress, which is not going away to kind of quelling speculation about this feud. Yeah. And I guess I'm surprised after all this time that there aren't more people in the year of both, well, I guess purely just Nicola and Brooklyn, who have taught them how to shut this down because at every juncture they're only adding fuel to the fire. Unless they don't want to shut it down. Well, that's exactly right. if she did want to shut it down, Nicola wouldn't be doing all these interviews or a publicist would be saying to the interviewer before the interview, hey, this is off limits. We're not having any questions about this supposed family feud. We're not doing that. What's really confusing when you read this story is the journo kind of asks Nicola about this and then sort of has this moment of reckoning within the story to be like, I feel kind of awkward for asking this because she's clearly made her uncomfortable. Mm. And so the inference that you get from the story is that Nicola actually doesn't want to talk about it. But I agree with you if she didn't want to talk about it, there are definitely things that people can put in place, Mm. that publicists can put in place to make that so. Just one more interesting part about this chat that I just found interesting, right, is when the journalist was mentioning that she was feeling a bit awkward and self-conscious asking about this feud when it was clearly making Nicola feel awkward and self-conscious, I feel like we then got a description of Nicola that I haven't read anywhere across the news. And this is what journo Polly Vernon wrote. Maybe I'd be managing it better if Nicola Peltz Beckham were a little less likable, a little more of the entitled, demanding, arrogant brat I'd anticipated. How could anyone raised in that sort of wealth not turn out at least a little ghastly? But she's just not, not at all. She's charming in an unpracticed, unmanipulative way and very funny. How interesting. I just think worth putting on the record there because I've never read that about her Mm. and clearly that's one journalist's interaction with her. Yeah, love that. Our fifth story, exclusive. The real reason Kate Ritchie stepped away from Nova and why she may never return as hidden detail in her announcement that rocked the airwaves is revealed. That is from the Daily Mail. (laughs) Very dramatic and lots of caps going on in that headline as well. Guys, a lot has been happening in Radioland this week because it is kind of like the contract renewal show axing period of time. Exactly. And it looks like there could be some trouble brewing at Nova's National Drive Show, one of the biggest radio shows in Australia. It's of course called Kate, Tim and Joel. Now, I think we need to give the listeners some context on this, Zara, because I don't actually think we've spoken about Kate Ritchie and what's been going on with her at all this year. Yeah, for sure. Now, essentially, Kate Ritchie, who is, of course, a double Gold Logie Award winner, industry veteran, has had a pretty rough 2022. On a Monday afternoon in August, she was pulled over for a random breath test and submitted a positive reading. As a result of this, she lost her license for three months. And at the time, she explained it in a statement. She said, recently, I undertook a random breath test. Although it was low level, the test came back positive. I made a poor decision and there is no doubt I understand the seriousness of my actions I am truly sorry Mm. now predictably Mish the media had a bit of a field day Kate took about three weeks off work while the dust settled and returned on September 20. Yeah a month after that though on October 20 she announced that she was taking extended leave from the show and she actually wouldn't be back this year at least. Now, she announced that decision in what has since been revealed was a pre-recorded on-air segment. Yeah. So listeners of the radio show would have thought, oh, I'm hearing this live, like she's announcing this live on air. It had actually been pre-organized and pre-recorded by Nova execs. So in that statement, Kate said, this past year has been incredibly hectic and full on for both me and my family. I have had much changed and increased stress in my life, like many of you, in a short space of time, and it has taken its toll. So 
Kate's had a really rocky couple of months, but she's also been away on and off apparently for much of the year. And whenever Kate leaves, her seat tends to be filled by Ricky Lee Coulter. That name will be familiar to so many of you because Ricky Lee is known for Australian Idol. She was a big breakout star on that show years ago. She also hosts Australia's Got Talent and apparently will be on the upcoming season of Australian Idol. So Daily Mail has done an interview with a person they've named as an unnamed radio insider. And essentially that insider has told them that Tim Blackwell, Kate's co-host of eight years, wants her out of the job and Ricky Lee in her spot permanently. Yeah, the insider said this, Kate returning next year is not a certainty. She's been MIA a lot this year and Ricky Lee has done a great job filling in. That has created a dilemma. Tim is a big fan of Ricky Lee and Joel is in the Kate fan club. Ricky Lee has thrown herself into the job and absolutely loves it. But she's got a lot of respect for Kate, so it's a weird vibe and nobody is certain what's going to happen next year. It's the killing season. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It is the killing season in radio. It will be a tough, tough industry to work in. That said, I never give a, an unnamed insider quote to the Daily Mail nearly as much weight as I would give an unnamed quote to the Daily Telegraph, Interesting. perhaps. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that something's slightly awry if, if Kate is off and, you know, Ricky Lee has had to fill that seat. That said, the other thing I always think is, God, there's no story we love more than a woman who's had to take time off, another woman who's had to fill her seat and everybody's saying, oh, we like the new one, not the old one. Like yeah. it's a Taylor's oldest time. Yeah, fair. I did find it interesting, though, that Nova declined to comment on Kate's future at the network or her relationship with Tim and where that stands. That's interesting. And Tim's manager also declined to comment. I look at that and if there's nothing awry... I kind of think the manager's saying, this is bullshit. They get along as great friends. They've worked together for a decade almost. Like there's nothing to see here. That would make me maybe feel a different way when I finished reading this article. But I finished it and saw everyone's decline to comment as an indication of perhaps where there's smoke, there is fire. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. So long as it is they declined to comment rather than just, just didn't get back to them in time. Yeah. I just wouldn't put it past the Daily Mail as well. <laughs> to be like, they're the same thing. They didn't, they didn't comment. We gave them 30 seconds and they said nothing. <laughs> Our sixth story, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen announced divorce. That is from The Guardian. A pretty short and sharp one here, but an update on arguably one of the most high-profile couples in the world. The two have finalised their divorce. They announced on Friday ending their 13-year marriage on Instagram. They both posted statements that read relatively similarly. Giselle wrote, with much gratitude for our time together, Tom and I have amicably finalised our divorce. My priority has always been and will continue to be our children, whom I love with all my heart. The decision to end a marriage is never an easy one, but we've grown apart. And while it is, of course, difficult to go through something like this, I feel blessed for the time we had together. Meanwhile, he said they also arrived at the decision amicably and after much consideration. I mean, we've tracked so much of this on the show this year. If you guys have listened to past episodes of Shameless, you would know the marriage has been in strife ever since Tom Brady (laughs) unretired from the NFL. He is, of course, 45 years old. I think we've said that so many times on this show. He was only retired for 40 days. That caused considerable problems between him and Giselle, given... I think she probably wanted someone around to fucking help her with the kids. For and sure. the idea was is that he was going to retire and help her out. Well, that's certainly the story that she and her team have been leaking since he started playing again. And I think given how dramatic the early reports were and how much it did seem like her team was leaking to try and tell a story, I do feel like they have been pretty savvy about this. As we said, they've said to have finalised the divorce before they actually filed it. So a lot of the messy details haven't been made public because in Florida, where they actually file for divorce, all those court filings are made public. Mm. So for them to do a lot of the negotiations and a lot of the settlements before they even file is a very clever way to do it. They were one of the most famous couples in the world. They have two kids together. Brady has another 15-year-old kid from a, a previous relationship. Will Giselle go to the Met Gala with Leo as oh. Girl Boss Town on TikTok has predicted as a bit of a comeback to her? 
Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. By the way, my last little tidbit on this story before we move on. Apparently, Giselle is worth more than $100 million more than Tom Brady. Yes, everybody yes. forgets that. I'm so sick of seeing... We had a TikTok video about this. We did like a segment a few weeks ago, put a TikTok video up about it. And a bunch of people were like, well, she's living off his money. Like, of course, he's going to go back to work. She's a gold digger anyway. For the record, she's worth $400 million. He's worth two hundred and fifty, which is not nothing. But like, she's worth more. And yeah. I hate the idea... That she kind of lives off him and then is complaining about him unretiring. Well, this idea that Tom Brady is the goat. It's like, well, actually, she's the goat. Yeah, our seventh story. And I think my favourite story of the week. <laughs> Matthew Perry emerges as the only person on earth who has beef with Keanu Reeves. That is from Junkie. Now, yeah. in case you missed it, Matthew Perry has released, I don't think it's out in Australia yet, a memoir titled Friends, Lovers and the Big Terrible Thing, which it goes into detail about a few things, but namely his struggle with addiction, how he used to have a crush on Jen Aniston. Didn't we all? <laughs> but then he also went on to say that actually at different points throughout filming Friends, he had a crush on Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow as well. <laughs> and he's also now very famously exposed himself as a Keanu Reeves hater. Now, if you are confused, (laughs) truthfully, so am I. We all are. And let's back up because in one part of the book, Matthew Perry was speaking about the death of his beloved friend, River Phoenix. And this is what he wrote. River was a beautiful man inside and out. Too beautiful for this world, it turned out. It always seems to be the really talented guys who go down. Why is it that original thinkers like River Phoenix and Heath Ledger die, but Keanu Reeves still walks among us? (laughs) That is the most brutal line. Imagine writing like, how is it that X genius and Y genius have to die, but idiots like Zara McDonald are still here? (laughs) Also like completely unprompted. Like it's so unprompted. Then he does it again when he's talking about the death of his friend, the comedian Chris Farley. He said his disease had progressed faster than mine had. I punched a hole through Jennifer Aniston's dressing room wall when I found out Keanu Reeves walks among us. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Is it because Keanu's so loved and he's trying to like take him down a bit? I don't know. I don't know. It's also just such a random like... Yeah, of, of course. Like, very sad for you to be losing friends. It's very awful. sad for yeah. you to be going through grief. But then for that to always be in tandem with the thought of I'm grieving and f- that fuck with Keanu Reeves. I'm just going to drag him down with me. <laughs> the, the, the most bizarre part about this, and I think Matthew Perry simply must be having us on here, because when people started to wonder what the fuck was going on, <laughs> he gave a statement to People magazine saying, oh, I just misspoke. Misspoke in a book. <laughs> he said, I'm actually a big fan of Keanu. I just chose a random name. My <laughs> mistake. I apologise. I should have used my own name instead. (laughs) In what world can he tell us I just chose a random name? My mistake. Genuine question. Is there the only thing I could possibly think of, but this doesn't seem very likely. Is there any (laughs) way that Matthew Perry just thought Keanu Reeves was a meme and not a person? Oh, no. There's no... I'm trying. (laughs) It's really, really strange. To also pull on someone in the same industry. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, two actors in Hollywood. He's gone for Keanu Reeves. Can't he pick out like any of the very e- like we have a bevy of evil people in this world. But maybe he's Why is trying he to make Keanu because I reckon he's trying to truly. I think he's trying to make a point here somehow. It's a really, really odd, bizarre, terrible way to make a point. Keanu Reeves he has been memeified in the last couple of years, particularly through the pandemic. People love him. I wonder if he's trying to say. This guy's nowhere near as good as you guys think he is. I, don't, I, I, know, I genuinely don't know. I know. I just tried to add logic to something that like doesn't deserve it. But, you know. <laughs> also, as an aside, this book looks so good. We actually got sent this. Thank you to the publisher who sent us one. We got sent it to the office. It's been sitting on my desk. I've been picking it up and reading passages just randomly. It looks good. It looks so fucking good. I'm going to wait for the audiobook. Ooh, I love yes, to do Mark. my memoir nonfiction through audiobooks, but I'll definitely be consuming this one too. I think it might be a honeymoon read ooh, for ooh. me. Groovy gal. Groovy gal. <laughs> that's all we've got for the quick and dirty. Now it's time for... And that's my two cents. My two cents. Go <laughs> on, Annabelle, your voice would be perfect for this. My story. two cents. <laughs> not bad. Oh that's not bad that at all. incredible. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I'm worried about you today. <laughs> I have some sense, and that is that there is no smarter pop star in the world right now than 
Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. I welcome know to that sounds random, and Megan Trainer is certainly not the coolest pop star I could have picked. I think the last time we spoke about Megan Trainer was her getting a side by side toilet with her husband. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely was. The first and only time we've spoken about her on Shameless is when she said that her and her husband have two toilets in their ensuite and they sit on them side by side, <laughs> which I have more than one issue with, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> She's a dag, but you know what? We love her. For the dag and the dork that she is. We absolutely do. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about her today is because she's actually just dropped her album called Taking It Back. And it actually blows my mind, given that this album was released on the same day as Taylor Swift's Midnight's, that we are actually here talking about it, that she's been able to cut through to the level that she has. I mean, truthfully, since she ramped up promo for this album, I I don't think I've thought about her, aside from Toilet Gate, <laughs> since... 2014 and that song all about that bass like Mm. she's been on no one's radar and I think the reason we're here and the reason I want to talk about this now is as I said I don't think there's many smarter people in the music industry maybe apart from Taylor Swift right now the way she's harnessed TikTok and TikTok marketing has suddenly made her relevant in a world that hasn't thought of her in nearly a decade Mm. and I think if you're looking for proof her song Made You Look is the number one song on TikTok right now and she has 14 million followers on the platform. Yeah and it's impressive because over on Spotify I mean no one can get a look in right now right as we said in last week's episode Taylor Swift has taken out the top 13 spots so she's not going to get in on Spotify where can Megan Trainer get a look in on TikTok she can and she's absolutely nailed it like I don't think it was until you pointed this out to me on the weekend to be like what is going on with Megan Trainer's publicity team right now like what are they doing here that I realized the genius of someone like Megan Trainer, who to be honest has never been our biggest celebrity never been our biggest pop star yet has been so meticulous with the rollout and the strategy behind this album that she is more relevant now than she has ever been. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a key part of this marketing plan and this publicity plan has been the way in which she's leveraged her friendship with another TikTok influencer by the name of Chris Olsen. Mm. Now, if you haven't heard of Chris Olsen, I reckon you've probably seen his face around, but he has eight and a half million followers on the platform and they have basically banded together to market this album. And I think at first glance or even 15th glance, it just looks like... (laughs) These two are best buddies mm-hmm. and they're just posting videos together. When you really, really deep dive, you actually start to wonder how much he is being paid to help her market this album. He is with her at the moment and it has been for the last maybe two two weeks, mm-hmm. 24-7. 85% of the videos on either of their pages, I would argue, are with each other. And I know that this can sound and may sound incredibly cynical about a friendship, but there is no way that there is not a really tight contract here where she's hired someone maybe to be her friend and they've become friends. Like I don't necessarily want to question the friendship element. They may well be friends. If yeah. you spend that much time together, you probably have to be friendly. But there is, there's money here. There has to be money here. Yep. He's I in agree. her music video. I think maybe these two just met each other through the industry, but I think there's absolutely a world where they've looked at each other and gone, hey, there's a really potent marketing opportunity here for us. Yes, we can continue the friendship, but let's also put money behind it. There is absolutely no way in my mind, I think you're bang on, there is no way there's not money changing hands here. On top of him being in her music video, like you just said, he's also uploading countless videos with Made You Look, her new single, as the backing track, right? Like so many videos and every video with Made You Look has identical hashtags, hashtag Megan Trainer, hashtag Made You Look and tagging at Megan Trainer. Why would you do that if you were just friends, right? If like you and I, I was just trying to help you promote your album. Sure, I might use the song many times. Would I use identical hashtags in every single one? No, the fact that the hashtags are identical, the fact that there's been maybe 10 videos of him promoting her song in the last two weeks tells us this is a sponsorship deal i am like i yeah it's 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 without i can't a say with a hundred percent but was 90 say, without a shadow of a doubt and then michelle says not a hundred percent and i say yeah absolutely as close to definite as we can be though i'm so glad you brought this to our attention there is absolutely money changing hands here yeah i think it's so strange to watch on because it looks like the ultimate friendship but i think it's been on my feed so much that i finally got to the point to be like this is fucking weird like they're yeah. everywhere to the point where they're even tapping into parts of TikTok that are outside each other. For example, they both turned up to the Harry Styles concert buying the most visible seats they could Mm. to kind of be 
a semi-side performer on that concert. And when I say semi-side performer, I don't mean they did anything beyond just dance and sing together. But my my TikTok feed was just people at that concert zooming in on Harry and zooming in on Megan and Chris Olsen. Well, Chris had a sign that went viral as well. It was like daddy question mark or something. And for anyone who might not be on TikTok and might be confused about Harry's relevancy here, if there are trends on TikTok that are guaranteed to take off, it's Swift talk, like Taylor Swift yeah. talk and Harry Styles TikTok. Like if you're going to tap into a fandom, it's Harry Styles or Taylor Swift. They've actually gone for both. They've done both Taylor Swift. They, they took a video of her together behind the scenes at Jimmy Fallon. They also then tapped into Harry Styles. These two are working together to figure out how much reach can we get on this platform? And they are tapping into every major trend. And it's also clever, I think, from my perspective, because it's like so many people are terrified about competition. Taylor Swift would be a key competitor for Megan Trainor right now. But instead of looking at that and thinking we need to avoid even mentioning it, they're saying, how can we actually lean into it and actually leverage it? I think the other thing that's very interesting here is I do wonder if Megan or Megan's team have paid the creators, Brooke and Jesse, who have choreographed some of the most viral TikTok dances you'll see on the platform in the last few months. They're the ones with the hoodies and, and the, glasses. the glasses. And they have made a dance for her newest song, or they did a few weeks ago, which has promptly gone viral. And then Megan's then performed that dance on Jimmy Fallon. What I think has happened here, truthfully, is that Brooke and Jesse a couple of weeks ago, or probably a month or two ago, made a dance for Lizzo's song... Am I ready? That one. <laughs> uh, to be loved. To be Am loved. Am I ready? And I think that was just uh, Brooke and Jesse jumping on the song, making a dance, all very organic. The dance itself went viral. Lizzo loved it. Lizzo started including it in her choreography. I would mm. argue that was probably organic. And Megan's team have looked on thinking, can we re-engineer that? Potentially. The, the fact she's taken that choreo and done it on Jimmy Fallon. I don't know. I, there's just such... Like the timing of everything that this this dance trend took off a couple of weeks ago and now we're seeing it on mainstream television. Like everything feels so perfect. I don't see how it can all be organic. The only thing that confuses me is Brooke and Jesse haven't marked the dance or using the audio as an ad and they have done that before. But it, it, it feels too big of a coincidence. Like... It just feels too, as you say, too perfect. I think as well, when it comes to TikTok, I think so many of us look at the platform and on surface level, we kind of think, oh, wow, a platform where anyone can go viral, anyone can build their music career overnight, anyone can take off on the TikTok charts. I think the more TikTok becomes such a powerful player in the music industry, the less that's actually true. I actually think people can really gamify TikTok right now. Like I've really seen a rise of influencers hashtagging music ad. Yeah, I know. Like so many record labels are now paying content creators to just use a certain song behind their video in the hope that someone hears that song and then creates their own video with it. And what's interesting about this is that in the UK, you legally have to disclose if it's a music ad. So all your UK influencers are doing it. US, I don't think you have to. I think it's more dependent what the brand asks you to do. Amazon Music might say, hey, we actually need this disclosed. Another music label might go, hey, no requirements for you to yeah. tell people this is a paid partnership. And I think that... Well, it's a new frontier. It's so, so interesting. I would not be surprised if there is, you know, a more murky territory where some people are tagging and some people aren't because it's so new and so fresh. Yeah, and I think... If anyone's going to be able to use this, it's the people already with money, already with fame, already with a huge record label behind them. Yes, we want to buy into the dream that there could be some teenager that becomes famous tomorrow on TikTok. But realistically, I think the app, the bigger it gets, is more tailored towards the musicians who are already out there, well, who are already huge. It's money talks. Like yeah. the, the bigger the app gets, the more money that people will need to throw at it to kind of give their song a splash and that will be record labels picking very specifically what songs they're choosing to throw their weight behind mm. and very clearly this is a song that the Megan Trainer's record label has decided is the perfect fit for TikTok mm. it's the perfect fit for a viral dance and is perfect fit for number one and it's worked great my two cents no don't give yourself 0.5 of a cent I actually think that is a very bang on take and since you mentioned it to me I've been noticing Chris and Megan together everywhere and if this has all been meticulous PR, props to Megan, props to her team. It is expertly executed. 
I think that might be all we have time for today. I think it is. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shameless. We are in all the places on social media. Come give us a follow on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. We also have a newsletter. All the links are in your show notes. Annabelle Lee. Anything to add? No. No, that's no. all today. What's the voice that, doing? That was a pretty good note. It was. Oh, <laughs> I say oh. myself. <laughs> Just started to break up towards the end, guys. Ew, we will be back in your ears for another episode of Scandal on Monday. Bye. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land